Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the most interesting and compelling seafood news of the week. I'm Editor-in-Chief Drew Cherry from my home office. Uh, I am joined by John Fiorillo in his home office and Rachel Mutter in her home office. Yes, it is quarantine time uh, across Interfish Media and uh, for, for most of you, I imagine, by this stage. Um, it has been um, quite a week uh, since we last spoke, and it has gone from uh, being um, shocking to, uh, to life-changing. And I, uh, I think I can speak for all three of us when I say that it's, uh, it's been a week, probably the busiest news week I can ever remember. And even though there's been essentially one major topic uh, there are so many different moving parts to it, and those parts are not stopping. Uh, that it has uh, that it has been uh, quite a ride. So, um, so let's dive in um, because there's a lot of different things to catch up on. As I said, um, uh, each day seems to bring a whole new um, a whole new set of difficulties for the seafood industry. Um, when we last spoke, we talked about some of the potential changes that might happen in the sector, and I think those are becoming a bit more clear. Um, and John, let's throw it to you. Um, you've been looking at the restaurant food service sector, um, and kind of we've got a bit of a sense of what the impact is going to be. Um, some of the, the folks you've been talking to uh, are saying it's just fallen off a cliff. Um, what's it going to mean for seafood where so much of the, uh, consumption takes place out of the home? Yeah. And I, you know, I wrote something about the U S in particular, but it, it extends, you know, to Europe and, and elsewhere, uh, Asia and elsewhere, because the same behavior is happening everywhere. So, uh, just in the U S for example, in 2017, consumers spent 102 billion on seafood and, Nearly 70 billion of that was in restaurants, bars and restaurants and other food service venues. So that's a lot, obviously. And um, pretty pretty much across the country, most restaurants are either closed or they're just serving takeout. And, you know, uh, traffic has gone down to virtually zero for so many of them. So... Um, you know, obviously there's an immediate impact, uh, in the sense that where are you going to, where are you going to put all that fish and seafood if one of your main channels is just, you know, simply not buying anymore. And some of that's being redirected to retail, which is seeing a surge in demand, um, just because of a lot of panic shopping and, and those types of things related to this. But you know, it's going to be a while and uh, before food service can recover. It, depending on who you listen to, this is a month-long month situation we're talking about. You know, it's not going to be over in four weeks or five weeks. This is, this is heading into the summer, it looks like. So a lot of these restaurants just plain aren't going to make it, especially the smaller ones, you know, and the chains are already – uh, alerting their, um, you know, writing in their financial reports about the red ink that's to come. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to see the light at the end of this tunnel. You know, I, I think it's pretty clear from the statistics that 
um, the storm is coming in a big way for anybody dealing in food service um, and likely dealing in the wholesaling sector as well, be it uh, fresh or frozen. Um, uh, Open Table, which does uh, bookings, online bookings for restaurants, they released some statistics that were just kind of shocking. If you get a chance and can, you can go to our site uh, and, and see it, um, it, it shows that from about, say, March 7th, that's about when the world in general uh, started realizing that something was, was, uh, was definitely uh, extremely wrong. And then from there, you can just see across the globe um, that it just plummets to, um, yeah, down by 83%. Uh, year on year from uh, for some of the major uh, companies combined uh, countries combined rather and then uh, you look by uh, cities if you look in the United States for example um, yeah as soon as they as soon as they start closing again from about March 8th March 9th it is completely uh, it's completely off the map and so um, it it is going to be stunning to see what happens to the sector. I don't think anybody really knows, and, and I don't know what you two feel, but there's still a sense of denial in the seafood industry, I think, or at least uh, absolute fear about what this means. The, the wave hasn't really hit yet, um, you know, but it's going to it's going to within the next uh, week or two. But Rachel, is that your sense with people you're, you're talking to, or are you hearing more realism about what's going on? I mean, I think I think the industry, understandably, is still sort of in shock. I'm not sure if it's denial, but it's sort of a, yeah, it's a shock. And it's very hard to know what to do and how to react, right? I mean, I think it, any company that has a plan, it sort of probably changes day by day because it's, it's just sort of impossible to know how this is going to play out, how long it's going to go on for, um, and how consumers are going to react in a lot of ways. I mean, I think I think the picture is becoming slightly clearer, but it's, um, yeah. And of course, everything's sort of delayed. There's delayed reaction um, from mm. the market because supplies are already in certain markets or they were already in certain markets, um, you know, in cold storage or whatever. So the effects weren't immediately felt by people. And I think in that sense, it was really hard to react quickly. Um, I, I spoke to a few people from the Indian shrimp industry um last week and wrote something this week about it um and yeah there's this sort of eerie sense of calm (laughs) from the indian shrimp industry that i think we're kind of seeing in a lot of places this well everything's still sort of fine i think particularly with frozen product that's the case because there's still there's still cold storage of it in their markets so they're not feeling the immediate effect and then they're sort of then they don't know whether to carry on stocking as usual um or to calm it down, or it's very, very hard to know. But but the Indians, um, there was sort of an air of caution, but also this feeling of like, well, everything still seems normal, but we all know it's not going to be normal um, into the future. So, but how do how do you react to that? How do you plan for that? No one's got any idea of the size of the impact at this point. So it's it's really hard. It's really hard. Well, even even you know if you if you put the demand side. Uh, to the side for a moment, you know, I think right now we're seeing that suppliers are kind of operating as normal in the sense that they're producing, you know, they're having to play games with logistics to get products 
to different places and all that. But, you know, they too are, are going to face the problems of uh, having trouble with the workforce actually getting to the plants and all those other things that, you know, a lot of the non-seafood, you know, regular companies, so to speak, uh, have already done, you know, people working from home and all that. And while that's going on in seafood companies, it hasn't really upset production yet, but I'm, I'm thinking we're going to start to see that, uh, you know, plants closing and, and those types of things. And then, you know, then you're getting hit on both sides. You're getting hit on the demand side and, and the supply side, which obviously is, is not a good equation. Yeah, there's an absolute general feeling of uncertainty and, and fear, uh, real fear out there. We've, we've talked to a lot of different uh, CEOs, and they have pretty much spent their, uh, their time um, making projections and trying to figure out uh, what exactly uh, they should do. Um, what do you do in a time like this when you know there is going to be a massive effect, but you have no idea how long it's going to take place. You have no idea what it's going to mean for, uh, for your sales. Um, you have no idea what's going to happen with demand. I mean, this is just the whole world is in this boat uh, together, but it's just absolutely unprecedented. And I think the complexity of the seafood value chain is, um, is going to, to really make it um, even more difficult. Um, back on to retail, because, John, you, you brought that up. Um, Retail does seem to be booming. Um, a lot of panic buying, it seems, but the panic buying seems to come along with actual purchasing in uh, just general purchasing of um, fresh salmon. There's been reports from the Chilean and Norwegian industry that retail has picked up uh, handsomely. Um, and and I, I guess that's probably because there is a bit more foot traffic likely in retail stores, at least in this short, short period. I wonder now how long that is going to last um, and whether or not we will see uh, continued, uh, continued growth in retail sales while food service uh, falls off. Um, Rachel, any thoughts there uh, about retail? I know that you're uh, working on some research on online retailing, uh, and, and we've hit on that in the past and what might happen there. But... Um, what's your outlook on what uh, brick-and-mortar retail is, is uh, going to see? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's been a real sort of week of panic buying at retail. Um, and I think as, as countries kind of put people in lockdown or, or, you know, prepare to put people in lockdown, everyone's been out, like, buying everything they possibly can. And judging by the supermarkets around me, um, you're not if you're if you're one of the later panic buyers, um, then you don't actually have a lot of choice in what there is to buy. So while I would imagine things like salmon aren't necessarily the first thing on everyone's list when you're when you're stockpiling, um, it's more likely to be sort of canned goods, and we've seen that uptick in in canned tuna um, and rice and stuff like that. I think when the supermarket shelves are half empty, you just you just go for whatever whatever is there, whatever is going to feed you. Um, and it's kind of insane. Um, and I think it will probably tail off, particularly as countries are actually now being put into lockdown and people are being told, you know, you can't go out unless it's for essentials. Um, 
in some countries, people can't go out at all and they're having sort of food delivered to their homes, rationed food delivered to their homes. Um, so I think this retail boom personally is going to tail off. Um, people need to eat, but I think the kind of foods they're going to be eating are going to be different when they go for that, you know, once a week, once a fortnight shop that, they're, that they'll be allowed to do. Um, so I don't know. So I think excitement over a retail boom is maybe premature. Um, yeah. I mean, and I think, yeah, I've been, I've been writing a column about how online is going to be impacted by this. Um, and I think that's where it gets really interesting because online food sales have just rocketed in countries where beforehand they just really haven't been utilized at all. These platforms haven't been utilized. Um, all over the place if you log on to any any supermarket that's offering online um, home delivery you will probably see a notice that says we have had to shut off our service temporarily because we can't cope with demand um amazon are employing a hundred thousand extra staff they announced earlier in the week um people like Ocado, which is a big uk um food delivery service has grocery delivery service has shut down temporarily um, to sort of reconfigure their logistics so that they can meet this sort of astounding demand. And I think that's where it's really interesting because I think that won't be short-lived. I think after this is all over, people will have changed their habits. Um, not to the extent that, that, that they're happening right now, but, but to a great extent. I think online um, food delivery will be much, much bigger than it is now. And I think that's something seafood companies should be thinking about you know, that's something that you can perhaps plan for in a sort of longer term way. I think uh, I think the other thing that we are going to see is is major changes in the brick and mortar um, retailing sector that that straight aren't going to, to come back as well. Um, obvious one being the wet fish counter. And we've seen uh, we've seen that playing out quite a bit over the past week. So we've seen Kroger uh, close theirs. We've seen Sainsbury's take action to close their wet fish counters. A lot more that um, are closing kind of unit by unit, and there'll be more broad-scale uh, closures of wet fish counters because people don't really, I think, in a health emergency want to go um, to get food that is handled by somebody else. It may be silly, but that... That to me is what the first thing that people are going to stop doing is buying food that has been uh, touched by other people. Um, is it logical? Probably not because you're going to go cook it. Um, but based on the psychology of, of uh, what we're seeing with this pandemic, that, those are the types of things that really um, that consumers do because they want some sense of control. They want some sense of control over their lives and feeling like, well, I'm not going to do that because that might have germs. Um, that's one small way they can wrest some control over it. Um, I do think the other, the other half of that too is when seafood uh, counters do start closing um, and and uh, and do kind of contract, you're going to see a lot fewer species on offer when they uh, when as they as they winnow down uh, the space. Um, so if they do come back, uh, if prepack doesn't sort of dominate uh, during this period, which I think there's a high likelihood that it will, um, then I think you'll see a very limited uh, number of species on there. I think you're going to see only the species that can consistently fill 
uh, a, a wet fish counter, a uh, fresh fish counter. So, um, yeah, but, but John, this is, in a way, what's interesting is that it's accelerating a lot of trends. It's not necessarily, a, you know, it's not that all these things that couldn't, that are just, couldn't have been foreseen are happening. In a way, it's accelerating trends that were already happening. So, I mean, John, you've over the years written a lot about the disappearing uh, fresh fish counter. So this is, um, I don't know, do you think it's uh, it's dead? They're not, they're not all going to die, obviously. But it is interesting to, when this is all said and done and the retailers sit back and go, hey, you know, we closed the fish counter. But what we did was we took that fish that we would have sold through there and we packed it and then put it out in the chill case as you were mentioning, and, you know, our sales were strong, you know. So anybody who sees sees that within the retail environment has probably got to pause and go, well, then why are we, why are we doing fresh case? So like you said, I think you hit it right on the head. This is, this is accelerating trends that have been going on, you know, the um, tray pack and, and those types of things uh, for seafood skin pack. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's so hard to guess, you know, I mean, do human, does human behavior want to get back exactly to the way it used to do things when all this is over? Is that going to be the, the impulse or is it going to be, wow, we, we just hit the reset button kind of along the lines of uh, what Rachel was just saying. As far as the online shopping, we just hit the reset button. Let's live differently. Let's do things differently. I tend to agree with that latter point, actually, that I do think this is going to reset a lot of habits and change a lot of habits that consumers have developed over uh, over several decades. And, and that could be very, very positive for seafood. It could be a real opportunity for seafood to do things differently. Um, so that it is going to be a really, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting few months coming up, uh, ahead of us. Rachel, it, it, China appears to be getting back to quote unquote normal. Um, what do you think that's going to mean for, uh, for global trade? Uh, how should the world think about the Chinese market and what, can they expect as the as it opens back up as their economy kind of begins to um, come back to normal? Yeah, there's signs that, that China's sort of settling down. Although I, I don't think it will get completely back to normal for a little while. Um, but but Norwegian exporters have been have been saying that um, you know flights are now back on out into Shanghai, uh, loaded with salmon. Um, I'm not sure the food service industry has picked up. Um, it's certainly not back to normal. Um, I think people are still pretty concerned about going out to eat. I think probably retail is picked up and is getting back to sort of normalcy in that sense. And logistics um, are sort of returning returning to normal. Um, but again, I think, I think normal is different now. Um, <laughs> so people are talking about China and getting back to normal. I think that normal will be different to what it is was before um yeah wet markets buying at wet markets i think will definitely have reduced this is this is still allegedly where it may have all have started although obviously there's there's doubt about that but uh definitely in the minds of chinese consumers um that will be a sort of point of risk for them going forward so yeah without wanting to harp on about online i think online was already very established in china but i think it will be even more 
important in the market um, going forward. So, yeah, and in terms of, we, we've mentioned before, um, obviously the reprocessing that goes on in China, that has really sort of dropped off during this crisis um, because of logistics and factories closing. Um, and I think, again, that's eventually going to set a new precedent for, for, for how product, seafood product is processed um, in the industry. I mean, obviously, the thing is places like Vietnam, which were sort of um, taking advantage of the situation in China previously, um, are also now in sort of a similar situation. So there may be a sort of period where China is sort of back on the on the reprocessing podium, but longer term, um, I think maybe that's gonna that's gonna shift slightly to be spread across spread across different different markets. Um, yeah, and a lot more sort of done, being done closer to home, I guess. John, let's talk about Diversified, which runs the Boston and Brussels shows. It has been a roller coaster week for the whole industry trying to figure out exactly whether or not the shows were on when they might be rescheduled. Um, it, it's it's a tough position that that group is in, um, being overwhelmingly focused on on trade shows. But um, but what do you make of the the dates that they've uh, that they've suggested? Is the show, in your view, going to happen uh, before the fall? I don't see it. Uh, no, I, I agree. I don't see it either. They put out some new dates uh, for Brussels, which I believe are June something, and <clears throat> I don't I don't see any way that's going to happen. I don't see any way uh, May can happen for Boston just because the CDC has guidelines uh, restricting uh, events. So, um, you know, now, now they're pushing, you know, September. Um, you know, if I'm sitting here right now, right today, to think that by September, people from all over the world are going to be getting on planes and flying to Boston or Brussels to hang out with 22,000 other people in a confined space. I, no. I, I just don't see it. Uh, Diversified has a lot on the line with with the trade shows. They have a lot of money that they that they make from these shows, and the industry has a lot of money that it makes from these shows as well. It's why uh, everyone spends so much money on on booths and tickets and and everything. These are critically important for for keeping the wheels of of uh, seafood business rolling, really. Um, but at the same time. I, I agree with you. I find it very difficult to see that a show of that magnitude is going to um, is going to proceed at, at least within the f next three months. I, I, it's not going to happen. It's just straight not going to happen. There's there's um, there's no way that uh, that I think uh, countries or cities will even allow it. Um, let alone uh, getting people to want to travel around the world. I mean, bear in mind that. By the time June rolls around, if this keeps up and if some of these projections are correct, we all will have been virtually in our homes, uh, you know, for, for months. And I don't know that the thing people are going to want to do is, like you said, the first thing they're going to want to do when they're allowed to get up and out is, is go to a big trade show. Um, but, but what does it mean if the shows just don't happen? Um, in what way do you think... Uh, trade shows might change if they do at all because of this. Does this mean something different in the way that uh, in the role that trade shows 
play in the lives of the of the seafood industry? You know, it, it very well may. I mean, when you when you just look at uh, Diversified, which uh, runs Boston and Brussels and probably, I think, 48 more events or 46 more events, um, uh, you know, they've suffered some some pretty good blows in the last few years. Hong Kong was canceled. Um, and then Brussels had the terrorism attacks a few years ago. They're involved with this problem here. Um, you know, you, you've got to wonder as they sit there and look at, at what they do, if they're starting to question if there's an, a, another model that they can follow. I, I mean, personally, I don't think it's, it's going to really um, motivate these companies to not do these events. I, I just don't see it. There's so much money. I mean... I'm just finishing up a story now about, you know, what is the economic impact to diversified if these shows get canceled? And, you know, I don't want to give too much away. I want people to read it. But, you know, there's a lot of money on the line, a lot of money. And insurance, um, people think, oh, well, they're all insured. But it looks like in most cases, insurance falls very short when a show gets canceled so um you know they're a solid company they've they've got lots of money they're going to survive this i believe but um they're going to take a hit you know there's no way there's no way they can and it's kind of interesting i put something out on linkedin of when the new dates were uh, uh announced the other day and i just asked you know what do you think and you know there was, you know, good response that was unanimous. It's just like, no, just don't do it. Let's not do a show this year. So I think the customers are, are like, they're already tapping out. They're just like, yeah, you know what? No shows, no shows. We got, we got massive problems on our demand side. We're going to have massive problems on our human resource side. You know, it, it's just so... I, I mean, personally, if you're asking me right now, I don't think either event's going to go this year. But, you know, who knows? With all the uh, the the focus now, uh, everyone working from home, all the focus on um, online technology to communicate, be interesting to see if people, if that changes how people think. It's uh, It's been a little... Even with all the advances in uh, in VoIP and you know programs like Skype and Zoom and um, Blue Jeans and et cetera, et cetera, even with all that, there there really has not been a replacement for in person contact. I mean, I, I had dinner with my in laws uh, last weekend over Skype. Um, you know, it sure wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, and I think there may be some shifts in how people communicate. There may be uh, ways uh, m- maybe people begin to embrace it a bit more and sort of get more comfortable with it. But, um, but I don't see uh, in-person uh, events going away, but I certainly don't see them um, happening for some time to come. Um, so we'll see about that. Just look at, you know, in the States here, we've been – working from home for the better part of a week, maybe a little bit longer. And I, mean, I can't speak for everybody. I'll speak for myself and a lot of my coworkers who are just, you know, they're already like, 
going kind of crazy because there's just, I've been in my house, you know, for seven days straight. I have, you know, I'm working and the kids are here. The kids aren't there. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely think people want human interaction and not through, not through uh, a screen uh, in a lot of cases. So I, I have faith that long term those shows will will be just fine but in the short term gonna be some choppy choppy water well since we're able to look so far ahead into the future um when we are back together next thursday doing our podcast uh what do you think will have changed um rachel what what on earth could possibly happen uh between now and next thursday that uh that will change the formula wow that's that's not a hard question at all um let me see <laughs> let me get my, my little, little corona crystal ball here um <laughs> i think we're going to see retail tail off um i think we're going to see as john referenced i think we're going to see seafood companies production um being hit uh by being hit further from um staff shortages and and shutdowns in that respect, logistics, logistics shutdowns. Um, yeah. And I think, I don't know. That's all I think it's, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible to tell, but I think, I think, yeah, I think those are the two things that I'd sort of say, will will happen in the next week. John, your predictions. Yeah. Well, I mean, the obvious one is we're going to see many more cases diagnosed because we now have, more tests and more tests are coming every day in, in the U.S. and elsewhere. So that spike is just going to keep going. And, you know, that kind of uh, it's kind of a feed on itself loop because that just increases the panic. Right. It's like, oh, my God, the cases are up, you know, 70 percent from four days ago. So um, but that's going to be a result of more testing. Uh, I think we're also going to see as we see in San Francisco now and uh, elsewhere, these kind of lockdowns, these shelter in place where, you know, unless you're going to the grocery store, you don't go anywhere. And uh, again, psychologically, that's that's extremely difficult on people. And as far as seafood, um, I, I think this ten- I, I agree with Rachel, this tenuous, um, I won't say success, but this tenuous ability right now to supply markets with products and navigate the um, logistics nightmare out there. I think that's going to start to fade and become much more difficult. And of course that is going to put extreme financial pressure on even the strongest uh, CU companies. So, you know, sadly um, it's, it's going to claim the lives of a few of them, I'm afraid. Yeah, I have a feeling next week, you know, over the next um, seven to 10 days is when, when things will really start to, uh start to get get real um for the industry in a lot of ways i mean of course it already is but i think then we will start to see um some major disruptions uh in in logistics and uh and supply and demand so yeah i i think we're in for a a really really rough ride i think we'll start to see some processing plants more processing plants reduce capacity and some outright uh closing their doors um, you know, and, and that will happen very, very quickly. It's impossible for companies so reliant on the wholesale sector um, to have all their clients uh, not operating. 
so um, yeah, we're in for a tough period here, folks. Um, but uh, but a lot happening and a, a lot moving very quickly, and so just as easily as it could get far far worse, um, you know, a few months down the line, it could get uh, far far better quickly too. It um, a, a lot of this depends on what what people uh, people's behavior and whether or not they take this seriously and whether or not they um, you know they're able to um, to do what um, what all the, the uh, health uh, uh, health experts say. Well, let's leave it there, folks. We'll be back next week with uh, with more. Of course, you can find our coronavirus coverage uh, on intrafish.com. We have a dedicated page for it, and uh, and of course, uh, we're covering more than just coronavirus. It's just that that is a dominating uh, topic. And, uh, and we'll stay right on top of it. You can drop us a line, editorial at intrafish.com, if there are angles, uh, things happening, people we should be talking to. We want to hear your ideas as well, because out there in the industry, you are on the front lines uh, experiencing all this. So uh, we want to do our best to keep, uh, to keep everyone informed. All right. Stay healthy, folks. Bye.